Have you ever had someone recommend something to you? Have you ever asked for a recommendation for something? Have you ever taken a recommendation you regretted? Do you have something you want to recommend? Welcome to Recommended to Me by a Friend, where we are taking recommendations and seeing how well they work with our lives. We're on a mission to improve our time spent in all things and are looking to expand our horizons in arenas such as film and TV, books, food, health and beauty, music, and adventure. Come and see what happens when two artistics are exiled during a global pandemic and invite willing listeners to interfere with their lives. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Leah. So bring on your recommendations! Do it. She'll kill you. If there's time. Yeah. pointed out she likes you know like you're more she you know like you're kind of shooter games yeah. and things like that she's getting more into those she doesn't like the adventure games so much which it literally took me I, it took me a day to wrap my head around in fact um and i'll touch more on this later but we're going to be discussing supernatural coming up that was something that leah had been wanting and we had somebody write in recommend that to us and so we're watching it but I, since it's on the internet still, thanks to Hurricane Sally, I went to my sister's to watch this Supernatural show. And this is after Leah and I did, like, the first, like, evening of, like, trying to get the mechanics of the game. And she didn't like it. And I was like, okay. And then I was at my sister's watching Supernatural. I made it the first episode, and my sister says, she pauses it, she's like, hey, before we do the next episode, um, it's not Supernatural's fault that Leah doesn't like Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> And it took me a minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Because part of me was like mad at her on some level. And I told her about this and she kind of laughed. And I was like, I'm not mad. Like, I understand it's irrational. <laughs> but she's she's like, it's probably good that I can't record the Banjo-Kazooie episode. <laughs> Hi. As you might have already heard, I'm back again in sunny Florida with not Leah. But the amazing Bennett. Hello, everyone. And I'm going to tell you a little story real quick. We set out to talk about a game that I love. It's true to my heart. And Leah and I have discussed this. I recommended it to Leah, who, full disclosure, did not care for this game. We will forgive her. We will. But see, here's the thing, though. She could not record this week. She got super, super busy because she's getting too fabulous to hang out with me. I really think that might be the issue. Luckily, I still love you. I'll take that. Yay! <laughs> But anyway, this is honestly, this is like a, a recommendation from me to anybody that listens, both to the podcast and literally anybody I find in the world. I like to tell about this game. 1998, Nintendo Rareware Classic video game released for the N64, the amazing Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, bird in a backpack, back of a bear, going Just around, picking up puzzles. Puzzle, puzzle pieces. Puzzle pieces. And I'm going to be talking about it. Largely because I recommend it to Leah, and then you and I have a whole interesting thing that we're going to talk about in a second, but first and foremost, I'm Aubrey. I'm Bennett. And this is... Recommended, recommended to me by a friend. friend. Alright, our story begins. 1998. I, myself, was about to enter middle school. I was very excited. And I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rent this video game called Banjo-Kazooie. And I was hooked. It was absolutely phenomenal, and I play it every year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Bennett, what's your relationship with this game? 
Well, I picked it up a couple of years after it came out. Regrettably, I've actually never played the second one or any of the subsequent games, but played the original, absolutely loved it. I still remember when I was at my Grandma Jean and my Papa's house, and there was one Christmas present left. And my dad pulled the end of it open and looked at it and just said, Son, I think this one's yours. And I proceeded, before there was YouTube, to have the YouTube video of the kid opening his brand new Nintendo 64. Freaked out, had Mario 64 in it, and pretty much that's what I did for the next week and a half. <laughs> and then subsequently, a few years later, picked up Banjo-Kazooie and absolutely loved it. Phenomenal game. Been a long time since I've played it. So this has been, uh, thinking about this and preparing for this has been a magnificent nostalgia trip for me. I've really enjoyed it. It's it's a phenomenal game. It's your standard quest rescue the damsel in distress, which in this case is Banjo's little sister Tootie. Yes. From the evil Gruntilda. Couple of things that I want to bring up. They live in a place called Spiral Mountain. Bottles the Mole lives in what I assume is a fairly intricate system of, like, mole holes and tunnels. Which go... Everywhere, by the way. That is true. Including into Grunty's fortress, but that's a different... Okay, anyway. A literal plot hole for you. There is a spiral in the middle, and then there's a bridge that leads to Grunty's lair. Grunty's lair is shaped like Grunty's face. And what's interesting about this, the reason I bring it up, is because it's just bottles, Gruntilda, and, and Banjo that live anywhere in the vicinity. And yet, in the very beginning, Tootie is kidnapped. As the witch is coming to kidnap her... Somebody says, who's that? And they don't know. And that bothers me. Because first off, they're your only neighbors. And also, her house is shaped like her head. Don't you feel like on move-in day, you'd be like, that's an interesting house. Who is that? Why is it shaped like that? And either way, the answer would be Gruntilda. But in fairness, though, I've moved into a couple of neighborhoods where I look at the outside of someone's house, and I can tell a whole lot about them by the outside of their house. And the first thought I think is... I don't want to meet that person. I kind of feel that way about Grunty sometimes, but then other times I'm like, she's kind of my life goals. <laughs> she, she's very driven. She knows what she wants. Granted, her goals, you know, consist of kidnapping a minor and putting her in some kind of, like, life-sucking machine or what have you. Banjo and Kazooie. Best friends. Bear and Bird. Kazooie's a girl. A lot of people don't know that. But, you know, if you don't have a life like me and you play it once a year... You, you find out these things. You find out these things. <laughs> I do remember, um, I think I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, but I remember the very first night that I played it, again, it was the night before my very first day of middle school. And I remember playing it until it was time for me to go to bed, turn into a termite, then I had to go to bed. And I was like, I remember going to bed thinking, I've only got this for a week, but to already turn it into a termite, I, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mumbo the Shaman, by the way, we haven't yes. mentioned him yet. Uh, he helps Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> along their way by transforming them into various animals and helps them kind of reach places they can't on their own. Yes, in theory, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Such as uh, a walrus, a bee, uh, an alligator. What are some of the other things? Pumpkin. A pumpkin, a washing machine in an Easter egg. <laughs> Fun fact, in the sequel, you do become a washing machine, which I like, but it doesn't quite capture the magic of this game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mumbo... Here's another thing about Mumbo. If you press, like, quit before the game's over. It'll say, like, are you sure, A or B? And if you quit, click A, then you see Grunty literally sucking the beauty out of 2D with that machine. She walks out, she looks like Vampira, and then Mumbo shows up with a, with a daisy and is like, hey, you're great, you want to come back to my hut? Wink, wink. Hey, baby. But it's like, yeah. 
where are your loyalties, sir? Uh, look, he's just in it for the skull tokens, so... That's fair. You know, I don't know. Right off the bat, you meet these characters named Jinjos. There are five color Jinjos in every level, and... I'm colorblind. I'll take your word for it. Fair enough. As you pass them, this little, like, help, help. <laughs> and just like, oh, cool, and you, like, tap them, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, hey, Jinjo! They come to play at the end. They're in a big-time way. <laughs> but we'll get there. Really, today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that Bennett didn't know going in, and I didn't know that I didn't know. It's going to be quite an episode today, guys. So here we are. The game itself, like I said, fairly standard. There are nine worlds. Each world has ten golden jigsaw pieces, also known as... Jiggies. Right. Not to be confused with the movie genre that's slightly less rated E for everyone. Alright, so in okay, in the world, there are, like I said, ten jigsaw puzzle pieces. There's 100 musical notes, and there are two honeycomb... What would you call that? Like containers? Probably containers. Yeah. And if you get six together, you get, like, an extra hit point. Yeah, extra piece of health. Extra piece of health. So, a neat thing about the N64 version is, because you have 100 music notes in each world, and you have to get all 100 to get all 100. And what I mean by that is, if you got 50, and then you left the world. Or died. Or died, and came back, you would have to collect those 50 over again. So if you wanted 100 music notes in that level... You had to get them all in one go. There are some levels where getting 100 music notes meant something, okay? (laughs) And anybody who's played this game, I hope that you are aware, like, I'm talking about Rusty Bucket Bay, which is a horrible level (laughs) because it's... I don't like, that's the only level that I don't like the music, but I don't know how much of it is because I remember playing it over and 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 over again. So I kept hearing this, like... It's just like Pavlovian for suffering. If you're in the water, even with your head above the water, you lose air because of the oil in the water. And then you go under the water and you lose air twice as fast. And I don't think that's fair. Well, I mean, Gruntilda did say she kind of oiled up the water for that very purpose. So. Yeah, well, she's terrible, if for no other reason than that. I'm willing to <laughs> forgive the kidnapping and enslavement of the Jinjos and also the blatant, what do you call it, like, um, like, endangerment of a minor? Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to forgive all that. What I'm not willing to forgive is why can't I breathe if my head is out of the water? Well, maybe it's because you're getting coated in oil and therefore your pores get all gunked up and like a really bad sweater dipped in tar you are no longer breathable (sighs) the point is (laughs) there's this one jigsaw piece that you have to get and you get it by shutting off the propellers because it's behind the propellers you touch the propellers and they kill you instantly pretty much okay so to get to this propeller room there's two switches that you have to not one there's two there's two switches that you have to hit going in there to shut off the propellers. And they're both really difficult to get to. But here's the kicker. In that one area, there's no bottom. It's an endless bottom. So if you get hit by the propeller, you lose your balance, whatever, you fall, and you start the level over. You don't start the level over, like, you don't lose the jigsaw pieces, the honeycomb pieces that you get, but you lose, again, all your freaking music notes. Yes. And that's a problem, because there's 16 in there. I have never once, in my 
20 plus years of playing this ever <laughs> gone into that without all my ducks in a row it's like okay all I have to do is just touch the last of these music notes and then it's okay if I die and I can go back in there for that puzzle piece and another thing I've never once gotten that puzzle piece where I didn't immediately die via the propellers because they turned on seconds after I hit the puzzle piece that's an unforgiving level to the point where it haunts my dreams. It is very, very rough. In the Xbox version, you touch a music note and you have it for the game. I don't, I, I, how, how, do, like, how, do, how do you even sum up how frustrating it is that you don't have to get all those music notes? Basically, guys, if you're playing this game in 2020 on the Xbox version, you're playing this with training wheels. Training wheels! You know what? Fine, play it, that's fine. But don't come to me and tell me you've 100% of the game if you died in Rusty Bucket Bay without getting all those music notes, especially those four music notes by the green propeller, and you frickin' if you played this game as a child, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Get a little heated. Sorry. What would you say your favorite level is? Because, actually, no, no, let's start there. What would you say your least favorite level is? Because mine's probably 100% Rusty Bucket Bay. Rusty Bucket Bay was definitely a, a difficult one. I never really enjoyed Click Clock Woods for whatever reason. What? It just never was my favorite level. Click Clock Woods is the best level, Bennett. Well, it's possible for two people to have differentiating opinions about a game already. Okay, fine, but that's like saying, like, it's my opinion that I am impervious to Black Widow Venom. One of us is right and one of us is wrong. Click Clock Woods is the best level. What makes it the worst level? I'm not saying it's the worst level. I'm okay. just saying I what never enjoyed it, it. What makes it your least favorite? Well, you have to go and find all these worms. You have to go and find all this squirrel's nuts. You have to go into four different versions of the exact same level. And I'm colorblind. Fall has never meant anything to me. And when 25% of a level in a game that I really like is devoted to a season that means nothing to me outside of a video game, kind of frustrating. Do you mean fall itself in the real world means nothing to you? Pretty much. I live in the panhandle of Florida. We have three days of that stuff. That seems fair. But no, like, I would say Click Click was my favorite. So what would your favorite level be? I really like Freeze Easy Peaks. Freeze Easy Peaks is a good one! I'm very partial to, for whatever reason, I've always liked ice and, like, winter-themed levels in video games. Which is strange, because usually, like a go-to bad thing in video games is ice physics, where you have no grip on the floor and yeah, you slide, sliding. and that just... <clears throat> which is terrible. But I don't know. Like, I, I love the design. Mm -hmm. I love the... Uh, I, I really liked the minigame where you had to guide the lights past the all... Yeah, past all the little monsters to get to the tree to light it up. It was just always a festive level. Up until today, I was under the impression that a certain amount of Twinklies had to die to get past the Twinkly Munchers. Which look like Xenomorphs from Alien, by the way. <laughs> they do! They do, kinda. Except they have eyeballs. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit more friendly with the eyeballs, but yeah. This game puts eyeballs on everything. We got eyeballs on rocks, and eyeballs on puzzle pieces. Cauliflower. Cauliflower. I get really excited about this game. You can tell she likes this, folks. So seriously, it's just the best. Freeze Easy Peaks, that's your, that's your go-to. I would say that's probably my favorite level in the game. It's also um, the center hive of one of the biggest mysteries 
For Banjo-Kazooie fans. Yeah, because this was like pre-internet. We didn't have Google the online walkthrough. We and just walked into this cave, and there was this key we couldn't get. You gotta go to this walrus's house, and the walrus is named Wazo. And Wazo, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, is a racist walrus. Completely. He is awful. Like, he gets weirdly specious. He's like, yeah, it's a bear, I don't like the bear. But then he starts like, the smelly brown bear, and that terrible brown bear. You're just like, what the frick is your problem, walrus? Well, in fairness, that actually might just be speciesist, because brown bears can actually be both black and brown. Well, see, here's another thing that I that kind of like goes back to the racist thing. Or is there something else with this? He, like, his fat ass, like, blocks the door so you can't get in there. And then later, he you turn into a walrus via Mumbo, Mumbo yep. Jumbo. And so you go as a walrus, and you're friggin' adorable, FYI. He immediately sees you. So he's like, hey, come here, check this out. And he immediately gives you a puzzle piece. You don't even have to go into his hut or his cave. And he gives you the puzzle piece. And it's like, hey, I'm so glad that there's another walrus here. Watch out for the bear. Like, no, it was a nasty bear. He does not care about you. He doesn't, he's just like, you're a walrus, and that means you're good enough for me. Freaking walrus supremacist. But then it gets weirder. Because I was 11, and while Wazo was no longer standing outside his cave, I wanted to make a point that he knew that I was Banjo Kazooie <laughs> in his house. And that's what you're supposed to do, FYI, because an orange ginger was there. He makes a comment about it. He's like, Take that horrible orange thing. Not a Jinjo. Just refer to by color. Maybe he doesn't know what it is. I still think he's a he's a walrus supremacist at best. Well, and in fairness to him, like, polar bears are brown bears' cousins, and polar bears do actually eat walruses. Terrifying videos on YouTube of how friggin' strong polar bears are. Maybe it could be a carryover from that. Great uncle got killed by Banjo's great uncle, just kind of a bloodline thing. I don't know. But you know who else lives on Free CC Peaks? Boggy, the polar bear. Maybe this is Hatfield McCoy's, <laughs> just with snow. <laughs> okay, but my point is, he's not like there are bears around here. He's like, there was a brown bear. Nothing against the white bear, nothing against the polar bear. He's weird about the brown bear. But we don't see them interact. But we know that walruses are apparently eaten by polar bears, and he didn't have any problem with that. He's a terrible... Nobody should, life goals should not include Wazo the Walrus. That's what I know. Okay. Okay. But it's okay to become Gruntel. I mean, <laughs> I painted myself into a corner. All right. So, okay. What do you find when you get the orange Jinjo up on the ledge? Uh, refresh me. You see the fabled ice key. Tell me about whenever you first saw the ice key when you were little. So you go in there, you get the Jinjo, you look in, and there's this sheet of ice mm -hmm. that blocks the entrance cave to where you, this ice key is. You can see through it. And yeah, because it's clear ice, so you can actually see through it. So you look through it, and you see this key, and you're like, oh, it's not a fixed item. It's clearly rotating. Mm -hmm. That's something that in video gamedom, I'm supposed to collect that. There's a little sparkle to it. Yeah, twinkly, shiny, attracts mm -hmm. rednecks. That's why they have uh, glitter paint on bass boats. It's just... Kind of a regular thing. Didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah. So you look all around Freezy's Peak, and usually there's like a switch that'll open doors. Or you collect an item that'll trigger a cutscene that'll open the door. And you hit everything and it doesn't do it. Well, in this game, there are switches like in other worlds or in the main 
overworld that can trigger things that happen in levels or in other parts of the overworld. And, you know, I saw it, and I went through the game, and I'm fixing to walk into the final battle, and I kind of look backwards like, haven't found a switch for this ice key yet. And it just kind of sat there out in the ether. And as a kid, I never never actually collected I went back after defeating the witch in, Grunt- the, in the boss battle to go, and it's like, well, wait a minute. I never even knew what the ice key was for, and I sure as hell never figured out how to get it. I annoy Wazo so much just dicking around in that, that cave, just trying to find, it's like, well, maybe it's this way. And, like, you can become a walrus and go through, like, a tiny cu- tunnel, and then that takes you to, like, an extra honeycomb, like, container thingy. Maybe there's a secret wall. Maybe. And it's just, it just, oh, my gosh, it was right there. And, again, this was 1998. An 11-year-old had no business on a computer. Like, that was, that was like, that was, like, my dad's thing for work. And it was, like, what do you, what do you want with it? Like, it's just, like, it's, like, what do you want it? what was I going to do? It just stood to reason that it's a game for kids. Kids could figure it out. 18 years go by. Couldn't figure this out. Couldn't figure it out. How do you get past this? And, oh my gosh, so, it's a magical tale. You ready? After 18 years, I was sitting on my couch, just reading trivia facts about Banjo-Kazooie. I learned about something called Stop and Swap, and I'm sure you're familiar with the fabled Stop and Swap. I have educated myself for this episode, so I'm much more familiar than I was a week ago. And so for those of you who don't know, the idea was pretty simple. They knew they were going to make a sequel to Banjo-Kazooie. They even went as far as to program things in the end sequence that would tell you more stuff about Banjo-Tooie. Whenever you get to... You can, you can actually beat the game with, you know, without all the puzzle pieces and without all the music notes. You can do it. But if you do that, what happens is you're on this island... And Mumbo's up in a tree, and he's like, hey, I got secret pictures about the next game. And Kazooie's like, well, show us. And he's like, not if you don't have all your puzzle pieces and stuff. And then you have to go back and get them. And whenever that happens, he shows you getting the ice key out of Wazo's cavern. And so I was like, that's why I couldn't get the ice key. That makes so much sense. Have 100% of it, yeah. It's going to be... Well, no, 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 no. Because I got all the music notes and all the puzzle pieces, and I went back and I defeated the witch, and that was another mm-hmm. just ass ache. But then... So, which... To defeat the witch, FYI, you have to go through a board game-style thing about trivia. That's totally my alley. I can I can probably ace every single one of those. But um, again, when you're a kid, you may not have found the answer to that one question that you need to get through said board game. Fair enough. Which might then again drive you back yeah. to go look in other parts of the game for other little tidbits to get oh, you through this. But then whenever you get to the end, there's a cutscene where, like, you take home Tootie and you watch a whole slew of credits. And at the very end, you see, like, they're having a barbecue! And Bottles and Mumbo Jumbo were arguing about who was more helpful. And Banjo and Kazooie are like, uh, we're the stars of this game, la la. And Tootie shows up and is like, hey guys, the witch is still there. Um, baby, go get her. And then you have to go and you fight the witch. And then you deal with another set of credits. And then you're back at the beach scene. And then if you have all 100 puzzle pieces and all of the music notes, then you get to see these pictures. Three things drove me crazy. One was the ice key. One was a doorway in Gobi's Valley that is suddenly open. And the other was 
there's this wonderful little joke where in Treasure Trove Cove, if you swim in the water, a shark named Snacker comes out and like bites you. And there's this like island just off the way with like a small sign and you gotta really swim out there to read the sign. And then whenever you get there, you realize it's right out of the boundaries and you can't actually get onto the island and the sign says Shark Food Island, which is brilliant. The programmers had fun with this game, I'm sure. They really did. Um, but in these puzzle, and I'm sorry, in this picture, these pictures that Mumbo shows you, if you've collected all the things, if you've gone through every friggin' hoop, if you've done everything for him, like a pledge sister, then yeah, guess what? You get to see this. And the ice wall is gone. The door in Gobi's Valley is open. And Shark Food Island has risen up. And I've seen that. I saw that when I was a kid. And my thought was, okay, the only thing that kept me from going insane was, I'm gonna see where all this leads in the sequel. Because these are things you couldn't get. You couldn't do the ice wall. You couldn't get to the, the door and all this other stuff. You couldn't do that in this level. But it made, it, it made sense. Something's gonna happen. You're gonna have to go back into the lair and replay the same worlds, but in different ways. And that intrigued me. I remember Christmas, that was the very last thing that I opened. That was my very last Christmas present. And I remember my brother was like, oh, I was like, I wonder what it is. And my brother's like, how could you possibly wonder? Because if memory serves, he got a Zelda game. I don't, I don't think it was Ocarina of Time. It might've been Majora's Mask. So that meant there was gonna be some competition for in 64 time. <laughs> but we're cool now. We, we speak and everything. Um, at his night food skill. I mean, you know, he doesn't need that part of the year. The point is... <laughs> so I waited for my turn with the N64, and I could not wait to plug that game in and go back to the lair. And I plug in, and there's a whole thing, on, you know, it's an intro to Banjo-Tooie. And I was like, okay, well, the bridge is all messed up. There's a lot of disarray get into Gruntilda's lair. Like, you go into, like, her little mouth door, and the big picture of her is, like, torn up, and Cheeto, the spellbook's there. You have, like, a whole interaction with him. But the other two ways, either to Memo's Mountain or up the slope, are covered in rocks. And I was like, well, how am I going to get to Treasure Trove Cove to get into Shark Food Island and all this other stuff? And the blow slowly fell. I think I must have played for at least six hours, desperately trying to get into the lair. Like, maybe there's, like, a switch or something in, like, Spiral Mountain. And eventually, you got to follow these big, like, digger tracks, which is part of the, the story for the next game. And you go to Jinjo Village. And the further and further I got into the game, the more I felt like I was being, like, like you're forgetting something important behind you. And I was like, but, okay, we're spending a lot of time away from the lair, I want to know, because it's been two years. And as a kid, that's a lot of time. That is a long time. That's, worlds are redefined in two years. Everything's different. You're a teenager now. And like, you know, that's the time where like a friend moves to like a different county and they're just gone. They're dead to you. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, what was... What was this? And so finally, after about a year, I decided it was just maybe something that they just went a different way on. And it was a world of broken promises and empty dreams. And I was kind of bummed. And it kind of, like, affected the way that I felt about Banjo-Kazooie. And I don't think my relationship with Banjo-Tooie ever really recovered from that. But 
I still would go back to play banjo, kazooie, obviously. And um, one day, I was sitting in my apartment, looking through, I was like, hey, I want to know more stuff about banjo kazooie, because there's a lot that I do know. And I mean, just for funsies, just sifting through. And I found this website, and they talked about a phrase that I had never heard called stop and swap. Basic premise. There were going to be some items that you could get in the first game that were only going to be used for the second game. The tech was going to be, you know, as such, where you are playing Banjo-Kazooie. The first one. The first one. You get these items, leaving the console on, pull the cartridge out, which, by the way, it goes against every fiber of my being. Oh, my goodness. Because I grew up with the, like, the old school NES. Yeah. Like the, yeah, NES and the Super NES. And SNES, that thing locked your game in place. You couldn't pull that thing out. I mean, you could, but you were going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like... Because we were children, we didn't have money yet. <laughs> and that's just it. Like, the Nintendo system was this impossible dream that could have been... It could have been $40, it could have been $6 million. You didn't know. <laughs> there was no way, no, to God or man, a child in the 80s or early 90s was going to be able to, A come up with that kind of money, and B, find a way to get that system on their own. At the very least, you need a ride to Toys R Us. We can't drive. We couldn't drive? And you know those stores were always on, like, a freeway or a highway or something? Like, it was, it was not a possibility. Point is, the idea was, you get these items in the first game. While the system is still running, pick up the cartridge, and then plug the new cartridge, Banjo-Tooie, into the system. And within a 10-second window, if you did that, then you would be able to transfer those items from game one to game two. And I thought, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense, because that means it would have to be possible to get them in game one. And a light bulb, <laughs> it was like lightning struck my brain. Oh, well, that must have hurt. I'm serious. It was like, it had to have been at least 8 or 8.30 at night on a weekday. So I definitely had to go to work the next morning. And I was like, wait a minute. That means that I can do this. And here's what I found out. There's a code that you get that you can enter on the sandcastle floor in Treasure Trove Cove. And the codes could do things like raise Shark Food Island. They could open the door in Gobi's Valley and they could lower the ice wall. And that was huge. As a grown woman, I was like, I have to stop everything I'm doing. And I have to play through this game 100% right now. Let's go. <laughs> and that's what I did. I got through, I got all the way to Click Clock Wood. I remember thinking, it had to have been somewhere between 3 and 4 in the morning. I was working at the television station at the time, so I could, like, be up later. But here's the thing. So I get through, I get to Click Clock Wood, which is the ninth level, and that's something I want to explain real quick. 100 puzzle pieces, 9 worlds, 10 apiece, that's 90. There's 10 throughout the layer with the witch switch, mm -hmm. which I thought for sure, there's going to be some way that was going to be incorporated in the ice key. And I got through those four, like, took me forever to get those four music notes on the spine of the treehouse in Click Clock Wood in winter. And that takes forever. And again, if you die, you gotta collect them all in all the seasons. This was hard mode. Mm -hmm. Kids today. But I got the music notes and I was like, that's it. I have all the puzzle pieces. I have all of all the things. I've got all the, the music notes. There's nothing to prevent me from doing this now. And then I was like, wait. It's kind of like, it's on par with, like, virginity. I was like, wait. 
I want this to be special. Like, <laughs> so did you light some candles, put on some mandolin? I well, no, it was like four in the freaking morning. Okay, and I was it's like, it's never too late for romance, even alone. A little too much insight in your personal time there, but okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Um. We can edit that out. What were we saying earlier? It's like, that's the worst thing you've ever said to me. I know what it was. Never mind. (laughs) I'm not repeating. It does not bear repeating now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. So it's like, I want to be, like, alert and, like, awake enough to, like, really enjoy this. So I went to bed. And the next day at the television station, it was like I found God. Oh, my gosh. It's like... My friend Dan and my friend Paul and like my boss Tracy and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been playing this game for 18 years now and I found something new in this game, which by the way is amazing. And then, okay, and then I found out the tech that I told you about, the 10 second window. Mm-hmm. Apparently that had changed when they started releasing the newer models of the N64. That 10 second window went from 10 seconds to two or potentially one so there was no way to get the game in there especially not without like smashing it a couple times and so they scrapped the idea for the sequel but because rare rare is very interesting and they plan it was always in the original game i realized that once you do that it can never be undone again akin to losing your virginity the point is once i open the door to Gobi's valley no matter what if i erase the game it would always still be open I couldn't get over the fact that I could get the ice key. And I still haven't. But I know how to do it. Because <laughs> I don't want it to go away. I don't want that mystery, that, that sparkle from my childhood to go away. <laughs> the ice key and everything. Because you can get them early on in Banjo-Tooie. Do you want, you want to know what the ice key does? Have it. <sighs> okay, so you get it from the beach area of the Jinjo village. Mm-hmm. There's no water, by the way. It's just like a sandy area in a cave, and it's really stupid, and I hate that it's there. The point is... So an ice key you find at the beach. Yeah. And it's not melted. Mm-mm. And you get it by destroying a ga- Banjo-Kazooie game cartridge pack, which I was resentful because I like that game more than I like the Banjo-Tooie. It's like just... It's like being with somebody who like purposely wants to trash talk your ex all the time, and you're like... He died in war. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best example I can come up with. I might not be a good person. So, in the sequel, Mumbo is there, but he doesn't do... Well, that's not true. He does a lot of stuff, but he doesn't do magic. He's like, for whatever reason, he's like, I'm too good for magic, so he's a playable character. Oh, okay. It's not good. How... What do you mean you're too good for magic? You can perform transfiguration. You had to take him to these mumbo pads, similar to, like, flight pads or jump pads, where he could perform magic. But he has to have, now he has to have this little animal called a globo, which is a pink ball with eyes, bat ears, and big feet. Anyway. So it's like the Prince Charles of the video game world. Oh, Okay. Um. <laughs> Alright, so... There are two Globos in every world. One okay. goes to Mumbo, and the other goes to the world's worst video game character. I shit you not. Mumba Wumba, the Indian chiefess who does magic via a magic pool inside of her TV. So I'm assuming this is like Native American? Yeah. Okay. It's exactly as racist as it sounds. Wow, that sounds horrible. <laughs> the music itself is... No. Yeah. Oh. It's... Yeah. Like... 
Yeah. Are we talking like 1960s, let's put what we call Indians on I'm talking. I'm talking what makes the red man red Peter Pan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so horrible. What's really weird is Mahumba Wumba and Mumbo have like a really upsetting relationship. They clearly don't like each other, and you just kind of feel like, similar to Kazooie and Bottles, like, they just need to fucking get it over with. <laughs> like, they just need to get it out of this, such a bang went out of their system, and then they could probably get along much better. Because there's a lot of animosity there. <laughs> You're just like, oh no. Like, you know if you they were, like, trapped together on the subway, they just before they killed each other, they'd just do it. And they'd be like, okay, we're good. So it would be like the risky business of the magical Nintendo commercials. I don't, feel like characters. I don't feel like there was a lot of animosity between the two characters in Risky Business. I don't know. It wasn't that great of a relationship in the end, I think. She was a prostitute, and he was, at the end of the day, Tom Cruise, so... Which makes it very Risky Business. <laughs> the point is... We love you, Tom. Come on the show. Okay. <laughs> we love you from head to toe. All four feet. Oh, I'm taller than Tom Cruise. Anyway, the point is, here's what happens. Randomly, throughout the entire world of Banjo-Tooie, there's one place that Mamba Wamba's teepee is. And she needs a super mega globo. So there's a world called Hailfire Peaks. Whenever you go there, it's two volcanoes or mountains that are next to each other. One is totally icy, one is totally covered in lava. Okay. Hailfire Peaks. Okay. You gotta open up a train door in all the worlds to like take Chuffy the train to all these different places and sometimes you can only access certain places through Chuffy. Um, like you can't just enter the world and go, like sometimes you have to ride Chuffy in like specific areas. One of them is this like frozen safe and inside the frozen safe is the Mega Globo. But what opens a safe? Okay. I was gonna go with a combination. Which would have made a lot more sense. But yeah, you're 100% right. It's Especially a, if it's an ice safe. It's an ice safe. If only we had an, an ice, ice key. key. And I was like, okay, Rare Art has broken my heart. I didn't get to go back in the lair. Shark Food Island is a gone myth. It's a dream. It never existed. And all this other stuff, nothing. But dang it, I'm going to go into this world. I'm going to find out what this ice key opens. It opens... It was like, it, that's nothing. It wasn't the goal. It was a stopgap to something else. You get the Mega Globo, and then you give it to Mumba Wumba. And then you dive into the, the, the pool. You jump into the pool, and at first you don't know what's happened. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, screw this. This took forever. And I did, like, crouch down, did the talent trot, where Kazooie comes out of the backpack and then, like, runs. And Kazooie wasn't Kazooie anymore. Kazooie was a dragon. Yes. She breeds fire. And it was neat. But not worth almost 20 years of finding out. Well, no, okay. Well, that I knew within the first couple of years of, like, playing Banjo-Tooie. Okay. Maybe even the first, like, playthrough. I don't remember. Because, you don't, again, you don't have to get it to, to beat the game. But, like I said, so several years ago, I'm sitting on the couch. I find out, oh, my God, I can touch the ice key. And here's how you do it. You can go into the sandcastle at Treasure Trove Cove, and you can type in codes, which, you know, we've, we're familiar with. You type in red feathers, get more red feathers, gold feathers, more gold feathers, blue eggs, blue eggs. Here's what you gotta type, letter by letter, to get 
the ice key to get the to get the the wall down and freeze these peaks. You ready? I'm ready. Now you can see a nice ice key which you can have for free. That is a lot of letters to ground pound into the floor in that sandcastle. And then there's more. There's several more. Several. And all that for a system that was scrapped. <laughs> in what way did they expect children to stumble on that code? I'm, I'm guessing it would have been something in the second game they would have had to get the information for, and then go back to the first game. I guess so. Because again, we're we're talking like back in the day before, like walkthroughs were just like rampant all over the internet, available on your phone. Incidentally, that brings us to the next thing that I want to talk about. All right, <laughs> Bennett, I've known you for so long. Yes, you have. You and I shared a lot of secrets and really like big milestones in each other's lives. Yes, we have. We've really been there for each other. We have. We've had our fights. Yes. We've had our good times. Mm-hmm. Today, Bennett did something that has forever changed my life. Probably the most profound, amazing, and also mean thing anyone's ever done. He showed me a walkthrough where a guy gets 900 music notes, 100 puzzle pieces, and it takes him under two hours. An hour and 58 minutes, if I remember correctly. The guy's name on YouTube is Stivy Boo Boo. That's S-T-I-V-I-T-Y-B-O-B-O. And this dude is an amazing gentleman that I don't know, like, if this dude was like, I need you to build me a house, I'd be like, yes, whatever. I see more knowledge from you. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched this run, and the first Probably quarter of it is pretty innocent. He's got really amazing movement. He's got really good knowledge of all the locations of everything. And then he just jumps on a feather pad and clips through the floor. And then proceeds to wreck everything about the quote-unquote boundaries of this game. He's definitely a speedrunner who has a lot of knowledge. And you can tell... This was not his first day on the game. It wasn't. And that was really interesting, watching, like, the boundaries and everything. Like, he got into, I want to say, Bubble Gloop Swamp and Freeze Easy Peaks without opening the door or doing the puzzles. Mm -hmm. Bubble Gloop Swamp is supposed to be the fourth level, and he skips where, like, you do the puzzle. And I was like, oh, man, this idiot's going to have to, like, backtrack to do this. And he didn't. And then he got to, like, Freeze Easy Peaks without opening the door, and I was like what? Like, wait a minute, wait, and he's doing all this stuff, I'm just like, oh no, and then he's getting through Click Clock Wood, and I was like, but he didn't go through Bubble Gloop Swamp, and I kept talking to Bennett, like, it was exactly like a four-year-old talking to their dad, watching Batman, like an episode of Batman, where it's like, things look pretty bad, and it's like, but it's gonna be alright though, right dad? <laughs> Batman's gonna get through, I was like, but he's gotta get through Bubble Gloop Swamp, and Bennett's just like, I think he's got a plan. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got a plan. I was like, okay. And the way he did it, was that whenever I realized my arm was like pointing at the television for good 30 seconds before I realized it was even there? Uh, yeah. You were you were frozen in what I can only describe as like mouth-agapped amazement. 
Because in Click Clock Wood, you turn into a bee. You turn into a bee. And you're supposed to go into a hive, and then there's a Jiggy in there, and you get a Jinjo in there, and there's a lot of stuff you can do. Well, what this guy did was he then proceeded to take Banjo in this bee form, and he clipped out of Spring. Is that where you become a bee in Click Clock Woods? And he clipped out of that section of the level. And then, when he was in the main entranceway... Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. You can be a bee, and you gotta, you can leave the world, okay? Because you have to be a bee to get the witch switch thing at the very, very top. Okay. But those, that's where the boundary is supposed to end. Yes. He got up there, and then clipped out of that area. And then, just kept going. He got into <laughs> Bubble Goop Swamp, again, by clipping. Into the little hut. And I was like... Wait, he's gonna be a bee inside. I saw a bee in in Bubble Gloop Swamp, and that blew my mind. I wasn't even aware of it. Then it started laughing because I guess in I was just literally my mouth was open. Did you have a picture of it? Is that what you did? I most definitely have oh pictures before you became all like a gap. But I definitely have one of you in intense. I'm showing her oh my, my phone gosh. right now. Of that her intently watching, I'm like... Like, biting my thumbnail. What is about to happen? Oh, my God. And even before he went there, he went and picked up, like, five of the jiggies... Jiggies! ...in the main overworld that he hadn't hit the witch switches for. I was like, yeah, he got into the witch's eye. He got... He got the one... The sarcophagus. From, he got the one in the sarcophagus. He got the one above Freezy's Peaks. And I was like, how is this magic happening? I was just like, this man is like a god. And then he got into the bubble goop swamp, which hadn't been opened. And I was like, what is this happening? And I thought for sure, whenever you materialize over the thing, like, when that happens, I was like, there's no way that the system is going to let him be a bee. And I watched a bee! I watched a bee fly over Mr. Vile's house that blew my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was just pointing. I couldn't focus. <laughs> it was too much. It was too much for me. And then he went in. He went, like, over the, 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 the wall. And he turned and he was like, hey, and I was like, what are you going to do? Because you only have eight Mumbo tokens and you need nine to be an alligator. Also, you're a freaking bee. And Mumbo, no questions asked, just like, you're fine. He's like, I recognize my magic. It's cool. <laughs> From the future. That's some time paradox stuff. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Didn't understand it. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of speedruns. I've watched a lot of them. And that's not the most broken game that I've ever seen, but that is... Cutting out a gigantic chunk of work. I mean, it's no Sonic game. Boom issues, but you know. But oh my gosh, it was just. It was so amazing. And then he finished the game. He finished it in Bubble Gloop Swamp. Who does it? What is. What, what happened? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, I had to sit down. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just. Even now, it's like, oh my gosh. And he was on point with, like, the, the, like the egg, egg firing and, like, he knew what to do with, like, the final yes. battle. And I couldn't get over it. I was like, oh my gosh. My life is a lie. Like, <laughs> it was like, I, at one point I looked at, I don't think I, I don't know if I looked at you the entire playthrough. I was just, like, watching no, the screen. You were, you were very much transfixed on what was happening on the screen. There was one point, because we were like, hey, we could watch like half an hour of this. We watched nearly two hours. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? It was, at one point, I think I turned to go, I was like, it's like finding out 
everybody in your family can rip their faces off. It's like finding, like, I, no, it was during the bee thing, whenever he, like, went to Click Clock. No, he went to, to Bubble Gloop Swamp. And it goes, are you okay? And I was like, he needs to hear words, otherwise he's gonna think something's wrong with you. And what came out of my mind, instead of like, yeah, I'm cool, it's fine. The Matrix is real. He is the one. So. And he's shaped like a bee. In a in turn of events, guys, this started out as a, I recommend it to Leah. Which she didn't like. And then I was like, hey, you're not as familiar with it as me, but you are familiar, we can talk about it. And then you're like, hey. Let's watch this playthrough. That was a recommendation to me. So now, here I am. I'm recommending to anybody listening to play this game because it's amazing. But watch this playthrough. It's amazing. It's so good. And Um, you should definitely play the game through first. Please play the game first. And then watch this. It's it's amazing. The the one thing I like about this game that, that sums up everything else... They really do reward you for being a player, a multiple-time player. Like, you are rewarded with, like, the little, like, intricate, like, little secrets that you get to find. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like being initiated in this whole little world. Um, because somebody else has played it. You know, like, what about the ice ski? It's like, I know about the ice ski. <laughs> and I remember whenever I was telling people at the television station the day I found out, like, the day after I found out about the ice ski, I was like, I just, I wish somebody else understood it like me <laughs> and they are out there and I found them and I was like oh my gosh it's like oh you can get the ice key yeah I was like remember whenever you first got the ice key in Banjo-Tooie yeah that was a disappointment yeah but you know <laughs> Dragon Kazooie whatever we all had a bit of a laugh but yeah. you know it turned out that that was a side quest to get a skin for a character and she, one move she also breathes fire which is pretty damn useful although you have fire eggs in that game you also have eggs that just blow shit up <laughs> Those are some scrambling eggs. It's a good game, but I feel like Banjo-Tooie didn't quite meet the expectations. Here's Rare's one flaw. They set a group of children, and we're talking like 80s and 90s children, okay? The last latchkey kids, I'm convinced, in America. You know, the get all 100 notes before you die kids. Mm-hmm. They built us half a bridge. And then they let us sit there for two years on that bridge's edge thinking, I can't wait to see what's there. And they let us dream <laughs> what it would be. And then they didn't follow through on what they originally set out to do. And then on top of that, we had to deal with that disappointment. And now we had to come up with what was clearly understood. This was not the original plan. This was something that was scraped together. And far inferior to the original. I get where they were going with it. And I understand why. As an adult, get it. But part of me is never going to get over that. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you. I don't know if you ever watched Bob's Burgers. Uh, I'm familiar. never watched it, though. There's an episode where Louise meets one of the boys for now. She's, like, love-struck by Boo Boo. And she meets him. And what she wants to do, she's, she's absolutely love-struck. But what she really wants to do is smack him hard in the face. <laughs> and then gush over him. And that's how I feel like I would be, even as, like, a grown-up. Like, to Rare, where it's like, oh my gosh, you've been in my favorite game. Smack! That was for the ice key, but let's talk more. <laughs> like, oh, but and, yeah. and in all fairness, like, to Rareware, yeah. we have certain gripes about this game, but there are also, uh, talking about Banjo-Kazooie the original, 
There yeah. are so many awesome things about this There's game. so many! This came from the same company that made, like, the Killer Instinct, the Battletoads. They made the Donkey Kong Country trilogy. Yep. And GoldenEye 007. Like, they have some incredible hits under their belt. They know what they're doing in terms of games. And what I wanted to shout out specifically was Grant Kirkhope is the guy who did the music for this game. Oh my gosh, I love this music! And this, I really feel, Nintendo has always, and I would even say to this day, held over its competition. Their music, their sound effects, Mm -hmm. and their dialogue-like noises that they put into games. Yes. They're always seamless, they're memorable, and they really make the game better. They do. And the craziest part of this, there's no dialogue in this game. No dialogue. They speak in very specific noises. And I looked that up, and they actually said they were worried that if they spoke words, the produ- the game producers, developers, were like, it could ruin their perceptions of the characters. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to give every character a very distinct, like, speech pattern, but it was just a noise. And that's- Like 2D, it's like, oh! Yeah, and Mumbo's like, up, 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 up. Just like those kind of monotone noises. But it was a really small thing, but it really makes the game stand out differently. Um, I told you that I was about to start middle school, right? Mm -hmm. Well, middle school, where I was, but like I went to school, was whenever you got to join band. And in case you haven't um, picked up on this, both from this episode and subsequent episodes, I was a significant loser. So (laughs) I was... Definitely excited about being in band to be with, like, the cool kids <laughs> that I consider to be the cool kids until I became, like, the baton troller. But I did bells, xylophone, and marimba. Mm-hmm. And those are the big instruments here. And it's almost all, like, marimba and yeah. xylophone. It was like they made this game just for me. And Mumbo even plays one mm-hmm. in the intro. And here's a fun thing. I told Bennett this story earlier, and I still have my cartridge, although I can't play it because my N64 is busted. But I still have the cartridge, and I will never get rid of it because we had the Game Shark, which is like the Game Genie, which I don't know why I referenced that. If you don't know what the Game Shark is, you definitely don't know what a Game Genie is. No. <laughs> but it was like a it was like a cartridge that you put in between the system and your game cartridge, and it would like upload like codes and things. Yeah. It was cheat codes before we had cheat codes. Yeah. It was a way to manipulate the game. And it had to type in, like, what you wanted mm -hmm. to do. Infinite ammo, invincibility, stuff like that. Like Super Mario Brothers, you could make Princess Toadstool, like, levitate unendingly. That Mm -hmm. was, you know, that was, like, my kid wheels whenever I was about six. Yeah, that made uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 way easier. It did. But the Game Genie, I, I couldn't... Okay, the one big thing that I had, like, you get knocked at the wrong angle... In this game, and Banjo just kind of flies really slowly to his doom. Wherever, like, Rusty Bucket Bay, it happened a lot, but especially with Gruntilda's big thing, she's like at the top of this hat. Mm-hmm. So, if you got the right angle, you could just sort of, like, be cast back into, like, the middle of the battleground, but if you got hit the wrong angle, you'd be sent over the tower and you have to start over. Yeah. And that's a pretty intense battle. There's, like, four different, like, cycles of attacks that you have yeah, to it's dodge. It's a lengthy boss fight. And it was just like, okay, if I could just not fall over the edge. So there's this one code, you press the R button, and you would levitate, and you could kind of joystick your way back. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that, 
And then I realized some of my basic moves were taken away. Like I couldn't do it anymore for whatever reason. And I was like, okay, so I contacted, cause back in the day, there was a Nintendo hotline you could call and these were like adults that were like there to help you. Paying two ninety nine a minute. <laughs> No, this was a 1-800. Oh, it was a 1-800 yeah. number. Oh, wow. So that was like before 1-900 Nintendo. Yeah, no, this was not Nintendo Power. This was the Nintendo hotline for like specific like issues with the software and all that uh, stuff. Ah, okay. It was like customer service line more than Yes. That. Okay. And I remember I called and I was like, hey, I don't understand what I did wrong in this. And I was like, well, I did use the Game Shark, and that was something licensed by Nintendo. So they're like, well, that shouldn't be happening. Why don't you send us your cartridge, and we'll try to fix it. And so they couldn't figure out whatever was corrupted. They couldn't fix it. And so they sent me a new cartridge. And they're like, okay, well, this should be better. And the same thing happened. I couldn't remember if I did this two or three times. I only really specifically remember twice. But I had to have done it three times because they remembered me. The third time they sent me the cartridge, they said, we couldn't fix your original cartridge. We had to replace it again. And we don't know why this keeps happening. Our advice is don't use the GameShark with this cartridge, but we took the liberty of giving you a minor upgrade. We hope you enjoy. And what they did is in the very beginning, the opening credits, Banjo comes out and starts playing the banjo. Kazooie comes out of the back and she's like, oh, free. She does this kind of noise. They programmed it where Banjo starts playing the banjo. Kazooie comes out and goes, oh, free. They put my name in the game for my little cartridge. And that's why Nintendo is awesome. They're so good. I just, oh, just, oh, oh, I love this game. I love everything about this game. It is such a, so good. And I really like it because it, it followed the same formula as Super Mario 64. Three-dimensional game, collect a bunch of items, go into a bunch of worlds, but it gave you a brand new character, a whole new place to explore, it and a, a fantastic story. It was a different flavor. It was. It was great. Even though the story is actually kind of a ripoff, though. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, because really what this is, this is a remake of Snow White mixed with The Little Mermaid. That's really what this is. Because Grunty looks into her cauldron. It says there's someone hotter than you. She goes and takes her and tries to steal her beauty instead of her voice. So. She does not, however, give her legs in a badge. You can't, you can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Leah took the recommendation of the game, not a fan. I took the recommendation of the walkthrough, big fan. I want you guys, anybody that's listening, if you have the ability, frick it, if you know me and you're like, I've never played this game, chances are I'll figure out a way to get you to play it. <laughs> but yeah, this is a phenomenal recommendation to anybody. And I'm glad that like we did like the whole walkthrough and like, oh, so much fun. And I got to hear, like, Bennett's side of it. Bennett, I, Bennett and I did not know each other as kids. So it's just very interesting. Just everything. I This might be a hot take, but Kazooie is way more useful in this game than Banjo is. A little bit. Like, Banjo can walk, roll, and can swat with his paws. In fairness, Banjo has the sister. He slept through her kidnapping! But that's my point. Without... <laughs> Her getting kidnapped, the adventure never starts. Well, yeah, but that still doesn't negate the fact that Kazooie's way more of an awesome character than Banjo is, in my ever-so-humble opinion. I get that. I get that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great game. Great really, game. Really love it. And, uh, yeah, I really would recommend it. And the good part is it's not too difficult for someone who's, like, never played video games mm -hmm. before to get into it. It's a lot of fun. 
Highly recommend that you try this game. Next week, Leah is just so excited because we are talking about Supernatural. And we're going to be discussing it. And Leah's so excited. She has the Supernatural cookbook. And so whenever I go over to her place to like do that, she's like, I've got dinner plans for that. I've got it covered. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we'll be uh, going over Supernatural. We went over Banjo-Kazooie this time, but next week it'll be Supernatural because it was recommended, recommended to, to me by, by a friend. friend. Bye! I'm super hungry. Let's go eat. I think we could do that. Yeah. We have to go now. Okay. <laughs> Stop the episode. <laughs>